December evening. Is it cold over there? It snowed last night. We got our first snow. <gasps> oh, yeah. We got our first snow. And it was it's so exciting. So pretty this morning to wake up <laughs> and there's like snow on the roofs and it didn't really stick very long today, but it did for a little bit in the morning. Tila was stoked. Oh my God, I'm sure. She loves the snow. I was stoked too. I love the snow. <laughs> Me too. Evan had his work party, holiday party last night. Ooh. And we went to this place called the Marijuana Mansion. Only in fucking Colorado. I know. Did you see my Instagram stories? I did. I was wondering where you guys were. So for the record, Evan works for a hash making company in Colorado. And he, (laughs) he had his holiday party last night. And they had like Italian food catered and everyone got... A free gram of hash at the end of the night. Amazing. <laughs> I'm in the wrong industry, man. <laughs> it was super fun, though, because it's just a super old, classic Denver house. It's surrounded by super new buildings. And it's very Victorian. It's like Victorian and colonial combined, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And this building in particular has... A shit ton of rooms and each room is themed Ooh. so there was like a black light room there was a room that looked like it was completely restored from like the 20s and there was a boudoir room and then there was like a little speakeasy and it's supposed to also be really haunted the speakeasy is one room that's in the very back of a room and you get into it by going through this curtain And it's probably like 15 degrees colder than all of the other rooms in the house. What? Why? (laughs) Uh, Ghosties. Ghosties? (laughs) Oh my gosh, um, that sounds so cool. It was so much fun. What a great idea for a holiday party. Oh my god, yeah. It's considered a consumption lounge. So you can smoke inside, basically. Right. Yeah. It felt like a like a fun house, kind of like Meow Wolf, but everyone was just smoking weed in every single room. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I don't a even great smoke party. weed and I had a fun time. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, today we are doing our Alaska mini-sode, and we have a ton of stories to share with you. Several of them are indigenous stories from the peoples that natively live in Alaska. And then we also have a couple of really interesting family connections. Mm -hmm. We each have one, actually. So I'm excited to share this mini-sode with you. And oh yeah, this is Cryptid Queens. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Alex. And I'm Caitlin. (laughs) Welcome. Yeah, I guess I'll I'll talk about my connection first here. So we were talking about last episode during my story, we were talking about Susan Butcher, who was a, I think, four-time winner of the Iditarod race. And badass bitch in a pink jumpsuit. Yeah. And she, I think she passed away of some type of cancer in like 2006. And oh, my mom was listening to that episode and she was like you know that's jane's daughter and i was like wait what and i found out that our family friend who actually lives in boulder that's her daughter <laughs> so your your family is good friends with her mom yes how 
How did I, that happen? I don't, I don't know, dude. Your because mom knows everybody. <laughs> I know. She, so I, I'm pretty sure that Jane was on the board of the company that my mom works for, kind of works for, kind of retired. It's Worked complicated. for forever. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think, I believe that she was on the board of this company and that's how my mom knew her. And then we've, our family has stayed with her a couple times while we've been in Boulder and yeah, it's just a super crazy connection. And now that I think about it, I kind of do remember seeing like photos of her daughter with dogs and mushing and stuff. Wow. Holy cow. <laughs> so wild. <laughs> that is really cool, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just a really crazy like synchronicity moment there that I didn't yeah. even realize. Yeah. Like literally one degree of separation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Even more than Kevin Bacon. Even more than Kevin Bacon. Okay, well, thank you for sharing that great story, Alex. Yeah, freaking wild. What a cool connection. Hell yeah. Should we get into stories? Sure. I guess I'll go first. And we wanted to, you know, make sure that there is credit where credit is due. So a lot of this is going to be word for word, and we're going to obviously give the credit for each story. So, okay. okay. For these stories, we got them from an Anchorage Daily News article by Terry Toombs, and then an article on ancestralfindings.com with no byline. So the first story I'm going to read is the Alaska Bushmen or the Tornit. Stories of the Alaska Bushmen or Tornits have been told since the first humans crossed the Bering Land Bridge. In the beginning, the story goes, the Inuit and the Tornets lived peacefully in villages near each other and shared common hunting grounds. The Inuit people often built and used kayaks for hunting. While the Tornets were unable to master the building of kayaks, they were very aware of the advantages of having and using one. One story goes that a young Tornet borrowed a young Inuit's kayak without permission and damaged the bottom of it. The young Inuit became very angry and stabbed the Tornet in the nape of the neck while he was sleeping, killing him. Oof. The rest of the Tornets feared that they, too, would be killed by the Inuit and fled the country, rarely to be seen again. Since that time, many stories have come out of the bush, of hunters disappearing, later found dead and mangled, or never seen again. Apparently, hunters and the Tornets no longer peacefully share common hunting grounds. So I believe they're kind of like a nomadic people that have kind of turned into... So are the Tornets kind of like a Bigfoot almost? So there's a bunch of like Inuit sculptures of the Tornets and they kind of just like... They look like big kind of oversized wild men. Bigfoot type. There's a lot of Bigfoot photos that come up when I type that in. So this section of the story that I'm going to read is directly from Terry Toombs and it's a first hand experience that they have had. I'm not sure what their pronouns are here. So they say, every spring, my family in the Panillo clan, a Hawaii family we were very close to, would pack up and head to Willow for a week to fish for salmon in the Deshka and Little Sasitna rivers. So Willow is that town that I talked about in the last episode where the Iditarod actually starts. Mm Mm-hmm. One particular rainy and cold spring, my father, brother, and I were pulling in salmon when a nasty, skunky, musky smell floated towards us, which is Hmm. classic Bigfoot. 
It suddenly dawned on me that most of the other fishing families had quietly and quickly disappeared. Mr. Panillo always fished with a shotgun by his side. My own father was always armed with a Colt forty-five, and now he unsnapped the holster and quietly told us to reel in our gear and pack up. Since we'd only been fishing for about an hour and it wasn't anywhere near dark, all of us kids were a little confused, but knowing not to question our dads when they gave us an order, did as we were told. I whispered to my dad asking what was wrong, and he whispered back, bear. But I wasn't so sure. I had never smelled a bear like that. As we were crossing over the railroad bridge, I remember looking at some trees that had been uprooted and then stuck in the ground upside down. Whoa. I often wondered why and how someone could do that. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Fucking nuts. I learned many years later that that was a telltale sign of Bigfoot territory. I guess I'll never know if that was a bear or a Bigfoot that displaced us from fishing that evening, but I do know that was the last time our families ever fished that river. It was also the first and only time all the kids got to sleep, or at least tried to, in the camp trailer instead of the tents. Oh, I can't believe they could turn trees upside down and stick them back in the ground! (laughs) What's the point of that, even? To say, get the fuck out of here, this is mine. Just be like, look what I can do. Like Stuart. Yeah. Do you want your head to be this tree? I'll pick you up and put you down upside down too. If you're not careful. <laughs> Feet in the sky. Okay. Our next cryptid today is called the Adlet. The bloodthirsty Adlet, which bears some resemblance to the better known werewolf, is from the Inuit legend. The Adlet are a rare race of people that are said to have the lower body of dogs and the upper body of humans. Typically, they're believed to be the offspring of an Inuit woman and a dog brought about through unnatural mating. So don't be doing that, you weirdos. (laughs) Apparently, according to legend, the woman gave birth to ten children, half of whom were dogs and the other half adlet. The family was sent to a remote island because they were so voracious, and their grandfather would hunt for them and provide them with meat. Every day, the dog husband was supposed to swim from the (laughs) island to the mainland, where the grandfather was supposed to fill a pair of boots wrapped around the dog's neck with meat. Eventually, the grandfather filled the boots with rocks, drowning the husband. Oh my god. So, fearing for her children's lives, the mother sent them inland, where they spawned more adlets. And the adlet are typically portrayed as aggressive savages who will attack men when they cross paths. Although the Adlet legend is based in Far North mythology, a version of the story also appears in Greenland, where the Adlet are instead dubbed Urkiglet. But several researchers have linked it to these other tales of the werewolf. So, don't perform bestiality. That's (laughs) the moral moral of that story. story. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, this next one is called the Tizaruk. So in mythology, the Tizaruk are large, snake-like sea creatures that are believed to roam Alaska's waters. They are described as having a head seven feet long with a tail ending in a flipper for a total of 12 to 15 feet long. That's a big snake. Yeah, it is a big snake. Tizaruk were said to snatch people from docks and piers, and they have some similarities to the Hyatlik or lightning snakes occasionally associated with the Thunderbird. Hey, I remember our Thunderbird yeah. episode. 
That's really cool. Check out our Arizona episode if you haven't heard that one yet. Yes, it's fantastic. So once the Thunderbird spotted a killer whale, it would launch this lightning snake as a living weapon by throwing them from the skies like lightning. Chris will sometimes say that he has lightning snakes when he's not feeling too good in the tummy. So he'll say, I got a case of the lightning snakes. There's a bunch of videos of bloopers from Parks and Rec. I think Andy goes to the doctor and he talks to the doctor about hot snakes. Oh, yes. I do remember this. (laughs) Hot snakes. Favorite joke in that blooper reel is when Ben is like, everyone loves a comeback story. And then people start naming comeback stories. And then Andy's like, Kim Kardashian. And everyone's like, what? Why? And he was like, oh, she gets come on her back, right? (laughs) (laughs) He just is that character. I'm convinced. I know. I miss the chubby Chris Pratt so much. Yeah, OG Chris Pratt before he got all weird. Christian gun happy. Anyways. Anyways. (laughs) All right. So our next story is called The Key Loot. And the Kilut is described as an evil earth spirit that takes the form of a black hairless dog with only hair on its feet. <laughs> so picture one of those freaky chupacabras that don't have a whole lot of hair, but now they have very fuzzy feet. <laughs> and it's much like the black dogs of Great Britain that follow travelers at night, attack and kill them. If a trail of dog tracks is found that suddenly disappear, it's believed that the kilu is nearby. So maybe they are able to, like, I don't know, disappear or mm-hmm. teleport a little bit or fly or who knows what. But they're clearly something much more than just physical dog. dogs. Yeah. Right? Now, Alaska is filled with all kinds of canines, wolves, foxes, coyotes, sled dogs, and your typical other domestic dogs. With all the canine activity, I'm not sure how you could confirm Big Bad Keelote was tracking you unless he came up to you and bit you on the rump with a wicked laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Terry, for that great comment. Yeah. Um, And it gets down right cold in the winter and some summers, too. So being hairless isn't really indicative of being very smart in my book, says Terry. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. That's fair. So this might be more of a a myth and less of a real... Cryptid. Cryptid. All right. Well, last but not least, I have a story about the Alaska Triangle, which is a thing. It's another triangle. I know you love your triangles. Let's hear it, girl. I love my shapes. Okay. (laughs) So... I'm particularly fond of rhombuses. (laughs) Tell me about this triangle. (laughs) (laughs) This Alaskan triangle is one of the creepiest tales in Alaska. It's similar to that of the Bermuda Triangle, only farther north, of course. Because Alaska is so huge with more unsettled wilderness than any other part of the United States... It also has the highest number of missing persons, and some of those people seem to simply vanish off the face of the earth. Interestingly, a majority of the disappearances have happened in an area of Alaska locals have come to call the Alaska Triangle. Oh, fuck. Yep. So, if you triangulate the towns of Juneau and Anchorage, which I think are in the south, with the Barrow Mountain Range, you get the area of the Alaska Triangle. 
Over the decades, thousands of people have disappeared here, traveling on foot, in cars, in airplanes, in any other mode of travel that you can imagine. Really? The most famous Alaska Triangle disappearance was in October of 1972, when two U.S. congressmen, their aide and their pilot, disappeared in the Triangle while flying over in a Cessna 310 airplane, which I believe is the same airplane that crashed with Aaliyah in it. Oh, the Cessna. fuck. That's a, such a terrible story. Dude. Oh my God. Um, they just covered that on my favorite murder. So, did you listen to that one? Yeah, they yeah. did. That's that's why it's mm-hmm. fresh in my brain. So even after a 39-day hunt involving thousands of people and the military, no trace of them or the plane or any wreckage that could be the plane were ever found. What? Yeah, you know what's really nuts? The Malaysia Airline flight. Maybe we'll just cover it when we're doing Malaysia. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's not just disappearances that happen in the Alaska Triangle. In 1986, a Japanese airliner going from Iceland to Anchorage reported being followed for more than 400 miles. What? By three UFOs across the empty Alaskan <gasps> wilderness, including a part of the area of the Alaska Triangle. What what kind of UFO? I'm fascinated. Well, the pilots of the airplane said that there was a large UFO about the size of two aircraft carriers with two smaller scout vessels following it. So, I mean, my guess is that it's just like a disc, but I'm not sure because there are different types. People have seen like triangular UFOs before, diamond shaped Uh discs. They asked for and obtained permission to perform evasive maneuvers But the UFOs continued following them until they reached Fairbanks, and then they flew away. Weird. And no one knows what the UFOs were or why they were following this plane. That's just the tiniest little nibble of the surface of the Alaska Triangle. Wow. I'm so intrigued. I feel like we could do a whole episode on it. I know. (laughs) Man, fucking triangles. I know. There's something about them. Something about them. You know, hipsters love them. Hipsters love them. Okay, and then I have a story that I wanted to share about my grandpa. And it's not really a cryptid story, but it is an Alaska story. And it's like a family legend that I just truly love. And so I wanted to share it. And I hope that's cool. cool. Um, So this is Papa Mark's (laughs) bear story. And I've been hearing this story since I was a little kid. Um. Papa Mark, that's my grandpa on my mom's side. He's awesome. Just is a really nice dude. Anyways, he used to work as a mechanic and he would fix big caterpillar tractors and big machinery for construction projects. So they had him working on the Alaska pipeline when that was getting built in the 50s and 60s. And so he would go up to Alaska for four weeks at a time and then come home for two weeks at a time. And that was his whole situation. And so while he was up there, there was this big brown bear that hung around the job site and people would always see him 
And at first, of course, everybody was afraid of him. And, you know, they'd be like, oh, there's a bear. We got to get out, get inside. And, you know, the bear would like wander through the side and like pick up somebody's toolbox and knock it over and not really know what was happening and then wander away and they would start working again. But my grandpa had this great idea to start giving him sandwiches. So he started leaving a sandwich out for the bear towards the other side of the project. And the bear was stoked. He would come and get a sandwich. And it got to the point where my grandpa would be able to throw the sandwich right <laughs> to the bear. was like happy about it. And he would eat the sandwich. And then it got to the point where my grandpa was able to hand him the sandwich. And he would take it in his little bear paws and eat the sandwich right oh, there next to him. They eat lunch and together? they would eat lunch together. <laughs> incredible yeah and so there's literally a picture i've seen it with my own eyes so i know it's real of my grandpa sitting on the flatbed of a truck like you know like if you have like a pickup yeah. truck you put the back part down so you can sit on it with this oh bear my god with his arm around him holding a sandwich you have to oh you need to find that dude i have to find it i'll ask my mom for it because that's it's incredible so cute. but yeah th- that's the story of papa mark and his bear <laughs> that's amazing you know what that reminds me of? Right? Is that bear that got adopted by the Ukrainian soldiers during World War Two? What? I've never heard this story. Are you serious? No, I haven't. Oh never my heard god. It. They were either Ukrainian soldiers or like Czech soldiers, I don't really remember. Or Polish soldiers. One of one Eastern European. And the bear's name was like Wojciech or something. Yes! I found him. There's a Wikipedia. Wojciech. There's a bunch of really cute little stories but basically i think they like found him or adopted him as a cub and he would like hang out in the trenches with these fucking soldiers and drink That's beer dangerous. with them <laughs> he would drink the beer and That's he he also like loved eating cigarettes oh my <laughs> so god sad. it was like something that only could have happened in like 1940 Russia, yes. <laughs> basically, yes. fantastic. But that definitely reminds me of Wojciech, the soldier bear. But I must say, do not approach a bear. Don't think that you could go cuddle him. Most of the time, it will not end in you eating a sandwich with him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure most of the time it'll end with you getting your head torn off because you got too close to its cubs. So, yep. Let's let's not. I I don't want to say that I condone bear friendship for most people. <laughs> Extraordinary circumstances are their own extraordinary circumstances. It's, it's bad. It reminds me of those stories of people like running into the Yellowstone calderas. How dumb do you have to be? <sighs> that's like instant burn to death. Oh yeah, dude. That's that's natural selection right there. Oh god. I'm oh, getting well. real tired of natural selection being <laughs> such a major factor of our existence these days. You know, if natural selection was a thing, you'd think that there wouldn't be any stupid people in the world. Well, the thing is, stupid people also select stupid people. And they're too stupid stupid to not make more stupid people. (laughs) And then they don't raise them to be smart people. Because they're already stupid people. This is just, it's idiocracy. God, I know it. That movie used to be really funny, and now it just hurts. It's fucking scary. It's, like, too real. Yeah, it's the same reason why I can't watch Black Mirror. Black Mirror is too real for me. Oh, man, yeah. Black Mirror, I used to really like it because it was, like, very interesting. But now it's, like, mm -mm. it's already hard enough. It's fucked up. 
I watched a scary movie today that I think that you'd really like, and I'm going to recommend it to everyone. It's called Grave Encounters. It's a recovered footage type of movie, like Paranormal Activity. Cool. You're following around this group of ghost hunters. It's literally just like Ghost Adventures, but shit hits the fan. Ooh, okay. Yeah. That sounds fun. It's pretty damn good. It's pretty damn good. I watched two scary movies today, and Evan's only been gone for like eight hours. (laughs) I watched Evil Dead earlier today, and... You know, I've never seen that. The first one, the one that I watched is from the early 80s, and it was actually rated NC-17 because it was so gory when it came out. But you watch it now and you're like, this is nothing. (laughs) But back then, I could definitely see how fucking nuts it could be. But it's also just awful. It's really not a good movie. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But it's worth the watch, though. If you love the horror genre, it's one that's necessary to watch. Gotcha. So that's it. Oh, we are going to be taking a holiday break. We should probably tell you that. Um, (laughs) This is going to be our last episode for a little bit, and we will pick back up after the holidays. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And we love you. We we will miss you. And we hope you have a wonderful holiday season with your families. And I know that sometimes the holidays can be a difficult time for people for a variety of reasons. And I just want to say, do not be afraid to reach out, ask for help, do things to, you know, take care of yourself. And if that means saying no to to doing things that your family's trying to get you to do, then you're allowed to say no. You're allowed to say, I don't actually want to go to your Christmas Eve party this year. And you're allowed to center your own well-being because at the end of the day, you're all you got. So mm-hmm. take care of yourself. Enjoy your holiday break from us. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a spooky month that is not too spooky, but just spooky enough. Keep your eyes peeled for Krampus. Make sure to follow us on Instagram if you haven't yet at Crypto Queens Podcast. And then send us any emails that you want at CryptoQueensPodcast at gmail.com. Yep. And have a good month, whatever you celebrate, and we'll talk at you in January. Okay, love you, bye!